0: again, kicking off the series, God Thinks I'm Sexy. Today, we're going to talk about what's normal. Next week, we're going to talk about the best sex ever. And then the third week, we're going to do a, a thing called Let's Talk About Sex. And we're going to have a Q&A time. And so what's going to happen is now, you, you know, maybe you think Q&A, good, I'm going to ask a great question that day. Ain't going to happen like that. You're going to ask the question before we get to that day. That way, we can <laughs> have some time to think about it. so if in your handout there should be a little slip of paper if you want to ask a question uh you know and and hey, it's it's sky's the limit whatever question we'll do our best to try to field it and do uh you know our best to honor your question there might be some of the questions that we need to kind of group together because it just makes more sense to take them on as a group uh, but we'll do our best, and Jennifer and I will, will come up, and, and we're not the experts on sex. We don't claim to be, but we'll, that way it gives us a little bit of time to kind of think through the processes and think through the ideas and thoughts, and maybe some of them will just come back and say, ah, I really don't know the answer to that one, you know, and that's okay, and so that's what's going to happen. Anyway, well, let's pray that God would give me great grace to talk about what we're going to talk about today, and it'd give you great ears to hear what we're going to talk about today. How's that? All right? Lord, we love you. We thank you. We ask today that, God, you would speak clearly to us and that we would hear clearly, that, Lord, we would be able to put aside some of the stuff that's been maybe taught us or maybe we've picked up over the years about our sexuality, and that somehow, some way today, God, we would get a fresh understanding of what it means to be sexual in relationship to you and to those around us. Lord, let it be so. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, this series, by the way, is rated PG-13, and so if you have really small children, this would be a great time for you to take them and go check them into Kids Connect. If you have like junior hires, I would recommend that they be here and awake. I think that would be a great thing for them to do that, you know. So uh, just to hear that, because obviously we all know that the topic of sex is is part of the conversations younger and younger and younger, and so it's important that we talk about this topic now. Obviously, why talk about it here? Why talk about sex in church? And by the way, if you haven't been around Southridge for a long time, but about every July we talk about sex, and, and I, you know, kind of that hot, steamy nights. It's kind of one of those things. Let's 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 talk about something that might really get a, get messed up or really needs to be handled correctly in the right way. And so, so that's part of the reason why we do it every year. But but why talk about sex in church? And I just I just thought a few ideas and thoughts as. And I just wrote them down here. First one is this: is we have a limited understanding about our sexuality, and really, it's we just ha- we don't have the whole picture. Most of us, we have a really uh, dim picture, if you will. We don't have quite the right ideas about it. You know, I was thinking about my own life. You know, I gr- I grew up not a- in a Christian home. I did I didn't grow up in a church background. I didn't I didn't have all that to draw from. And so my experience was, is I, I had some neighborhood boys when I was real little, they were telling me things that blew my mind. You know, I was like, what? You know, do what? You know, that's, that, that was my understanding, if you will, was a couple guys who were two or three years older than I telling me about sexual things. You know, my dad never had the birds and the bees talk with me. You know, matter of fact, I'm going to talk to him about that next time I get with him. Say, hey, dad, what's up? You know, that kind of deal. But... Um, you know, and then as time went on, you know, in my, and this is just my story. My story is, I, I remember stumbling across a, a stack of old, you know, uh, magazines. You know, and like, whoa, 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 man, what in the world? I how did I miss this? You know, that kind of thing, and and that was part of it. And, and then other conversations, and and really, what happened for me, and this is what happened in my life, is that women became objects, not women in the sense of relationship. It became this very object-fulfilled uh, object ful- desire. I mean, it would look, it was a conquering thing to possess and that kind of stuff. Really unhealthy, really unhealthy. Jennifer's corrected me in lots of ways. Yes, yeah, she's on her head. Yeah, I fixed you, you know, because I can't control her because I always, never, oh my, we'll stay stay focused, stay focused. Uh, and so we have this limited understanding, you know, in, in my own life it's clearly true that we don't always understand that sex has a beauty and the beast dimension to it Uh, and that's that's the thing that we don't understand we don't understand the depths of the good part of it and we don't understand the depths of the bad part and, and a lot of times if you're in church what happens is the only thing you ever heard was the bad part you know, if you, if you had a grow up experience in church, the only part you ever heard about sex was no, 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 no. And you never heard the yes, yes, yes part of it. You never heard that, man, it's supposed to be beautiful. And that's what we're going to kind of talk about next week. And, and so somehow we've got to understand that there's two dimensions to this idea of sex. And a lot of times we're limited in both, you know, that sex can, first part of it, sex can be and should be a beautiful expression of intimacy between a husband and wife. That's, that, that's what it is. It should be that. And then on the other side of that, that this beast side of sex can be very dark, can be very dangerous, can be even very deadly, very destructive. I mean, all kinds of other D words you can throw in there. I mean, there's this beast side of this thing that we have to know that it's out there because it's real. And so, and so that to not talk about those two sides of, of sex would be huge, a, a, a mistake on our part to not do that. If it's that big of a deal that there's this huge beauty idea and this huge beast idea to not talk about it would be a mistake, and so that's why we're talking about it. Here, here's another thought: we tend to hope it just works itself out. That's that's what we do, and and so that's probably not a really good way to go about our sexual understanding and who we are. That just kind of well wherever the the you know the cards fly and however it lays out, you know, it's kind of like rolling dice, you know. You know, we're looking for doubles, or maybe old school, we're looking for Yahtzee, Yahtzee, you know, I mean, I don't know if that's a good way to look at your spirit, your, your sexuality, but that's how we do it, and by the way, that's what, you know, ends up happening a lot of times in our own relationships, and then we, after the fact, go, man, how do I end up here, how do I end up as a teenage uh, uh, mom, how, how do I end up with this disease, or what, how, how do I end up in this situation, and a lot of times it's because we were just hoping it would work itself out. We didn't really give it attention that it needed, which then leads to the next one, is we should listen to what the creator of sex has to say about it. You know, Dr. Phil probably isn't our best answer. I'm, just isn't, you know, Oprah and all those, you know, whoever, you know, I mean, that's just not the best answer. We might want to ask the guy that created it, how's this thing supposed to work? You know, because he might know what's going on with it. He might have a few things in his understanding that might help us. And so that's why we need to talk about it. And the last one is that, and I really didn't know how to you know throw it out as far as the thought, but here's we're in the current of something right now. As a culture, as a world, we're in a current, and the current is called existentialism. We're in the midst of this thing. Right now. We live in an existential world. And you're like, well, what's an existential world? The existential world basically says this, if it feels good, do it. If, 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 if it's okay to me, it's okay. You know, and, and there's no real responsibility. There's no real you know, consequence. There's no real understanding of any of that kind of stuff because it's just about me. And so there's this existential thing that's going on. And because of that, it's really important because I don't agree with that at all. I think there's something bigger than existential me in this situation, because that what feels good, do it if it's okay with me, but here's my question, what if what we call normal is not normal at all? What if what we call normal isn't normal at all? Maybe the way we view our sexuality and the world around us and how it views sexuality isn't even close to what it's supposed to be, and it's actually more abnormal, or worse yet, it's even destructive. What if? I'm just throwing it out there what what if that's the case in this whole situation and by the way I, I think that there is that very real idea that's going on so let me ask this question how is our sexuality defined how do we define our sexuality who defines it i mean how, how do we, how do we do that i mean how, how do we you know i mentioned how i did it you know i had you know guys that were in 6th grade when i was in 4th grade you know i mean that's how i get, came up with some definitions some magazines you know some i mean all these different things how do we define Our sexuality, because a lot of times how we get our definitions is really, quote, quote, how we get the source of what we define as normal. And so we have to go, where does that come from? You know, let me just throw out a few ideas. What's normal? Is it simply based on popular opinion? If enough of us get together and we agree the same thing, is it now normal? Is that normal? And I want to just throw this out, that many times in history, the crowd has been wrong. They've been wrong morally, they've been wrong in just how they went about doing things, it was ugly, it was destructive, it was all those things, and, and there was more people saying yes, it was right to do it that way than those that were saying no, it wasn't. So, so is it simply based on popular opinion, or, or is it based on how the sitcoms define it? By the way, I believe this, I believe that a lot of times our sexual definitions come from our 30-minute watching of shows, because what we're doing is we're being taught indirectly not you know they're like it isn't like it comes up on the tv today's lesson is it doesn't come up like that but what happens is we watch it and we begin to think oh yeah that's yeah that's how it is and at some points that might be how it is but it might not necessarily need to be how it should be and so we get lost in that and so is that how we do it or or is it based on the majority vote is it like this voting thing okay all in favor you raise your hand you're like, okay, it's done, it's settled, that's what's normal. I, I don't know if that's the right way of going about it. You know, everybody's doing it, or it seems like, you know, everybody's doing it. Ah, uh, that might not be the best way. Is, is it based on what is politically correct? And I don't ever talk about political issues from this position here in the church. because here. And by the way, here's my, here's my thought on that. Is that God changes hearts, which then affect political decisions. So I focus on heart. I folk, That's where I go. But, but the question today is, is that, can, can we legislate what's normal? I don't think so. I don't think that's how you can get there. So is it based on what's politically correct? Or here's the last one. Is it based on what my personal opinion is? This is how I feel about it. This is what I think it is. This is, this is and again, if, you, if that's you, you're kind of sliding right into that existential thing and you didn't even know you were getting there. And so somehow we got to wrestle with it. Is it based on my own personal acceptance or rejection of certain behaviors? Is it just cool with me, so therefore it's normal? And that's all we have. And so I've got all these questions, and I think those questions should drive us to tar- start talking about this idea. Does God think I'm sexy? And if he is, what's he, what's he think about that? Not some kind of perverted, weird, you know, I'm, I'm loving you, you know, kind of thing. But more of this, I created you this way. You know, so, so what's that all mean? So, so what's God's definition of our sexuality? First, I just said it, does God really think I'm sexy? And the answer simply is yes. He does. He created you that way. You and I, every person in this room, are created as sexual beings. Like, woo. You know, I mean, that's, that's how he made us. I mean, we can't get away from it. We can't deny that. I can't. And here's what we do a lot of times is we try to push that aside, and all we do is become frustrated with the very design of what God has made us to be. But we need to understand that God has a purpose in this at the same time, that he, he's, he's done this. And so I want to look at just a couple verses in Genesis. The story of creation gives us this idea of what God thinks about our sexuality. Genesis chapter 1, it says, So God created man. And man, us, human beings, in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. And then there's this distinction, male and female, he created them. In other words, this idea that there's this, this design that was there, this natural design, this part in this process that God says, hey, we're going to put the image of, of who we are into the image of this creation, and we're going to give them this unique sexual identity, male, female. It's going to be part of who. And so here's here's what we unpack from this, is that our sexuality, our maleness and our femaleness is directly related to our creation in the image of God. And so the original normal was all about life-giving connection. That's the original normal. The original normal is all about life-giving connection. Just as a man knows naturally he was made for the woman and vice versa, vice versa, so we are made for a natural, normal relationship with God. God created us as an expression of himself, which was to be part of a life-giving connection. And so that's, how, that's God's original normal. And then, and then if you read through the whole uh, text of, of Genesis 2 and that first verse in 1, is that you get this ideal idea that comes from God. And here, and it's found in Genesis chapter 2, verse 25. It said, the man and the wife were both naked. And they felt no shame. So somehow in the, in the midst of the relationship with God, in the midst of the relationship with one another, in their sexuality, it was all good. And God had this ideal situation. He was like, this is, this is what I created it to be. And it was the beauty part of what God was doing. And so all of that was in that. And so what happens, though, and here's what happens. If we fast forward the story, you all know the story. Adam and Eve say, I don't trust you, God. I don't think that you can be trusted, and so it started this breakdown, if you will, a distortion, if you will, of all the beauty that God had intended for us to have, and out of that, now we find ourselves today in the midst of this backwards, crazy, upside down, sexual opinionated world that we live in, all this resolved that, but yet God is still saying, hey, I still have this beauty idea, I still have this normal, I still have this idea. Of what I want it to be. And I can help you to get there. And so that's kind of what we're talking about today. So how we find normal. And I want to go to a, a text in, in Corinthians. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And I, I want to look at a lesson that Paul the Apostle gives to a motley crew of people called the Corinth Church. These guys, they were, can I just say it this way? They were a piece of work. in In more ways than one. I mean they had, they had... A spiritual understanding that this God had created them, and that somehow they could trust this God, but beyond that, they kind of had a free for all in how they lived their lives. They just kind of went, did whatever felt good in the moment. They just, and it was kind of a craziness. They had all these idols, and they had all all this crazy stuff was going on. And Paul, his job, and and crazy as it may be, was to try to steer them to this place that was healthy, whole, life-giving, in connection with God and one another. And so he was trying to do that. And so here's the conversation. And he kind of hits pretty hard. He's not not pulling punches. He's not backing off of it. He said, hey, here's the deal. Let me help you understand what's going on. Because you have a misguided understanding, and I want to help you find normal. Because right now, what you have isn't normal. What you have is something totally abnormal, and you don't even know it. And so he's having this conversation with them. And so there's several. I think I've got five of them here today that we will pull out of the text. And so here we go. The first thing he's trying to help them understand is this. and, And they all start with our, you know, this is who we are. Our misguided behaviors and sexual practices clearly stand in the way of a healthy relationship with God. In other words, my misguided behaviors and my misguided sexuality understandings are direct assaults upon this healthy, life-giving connection that God has intended for you and I. And he said, don't, don't miss this. And he starts out, and here's, here's what the text says. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, don't you realize, he said, you got to understand this. you, you got to see this, that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God. And then, this next phrase, don't fool yourselves. Don't get sucked into the lie. Don't get sucked into the current. Don't get sucked into just hoping it's all going to work. Don't get sucked into that stuff. Don't fool yourselves. He says, those who indulge in sexual sin, and sexual sin has all these different, I mean, it, it includes things like bestiality. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff. If you unpack that, of what that means. I mean, sex outside of marriage. I mean, it's all the sexual things that God said, "Hey, don't, don't do that." And he goes on, he says, "Those who indulge in sexual sin, who worship idols, who commit adultery, are, or are male prostitutes. And by the way, the reason why that one's thrown in there, that was a big deal for them, because what they had is they had prostitutes at the temple entrances where they lived. And so part of their practice was is, hey, I'm going to go over to the temple and I'm going to engage with a prostitute, and many of them were male prostitutes, and so he throws, a, he, hey, come on guys, I'm talking about your world that you live in, and so he says there's misguided behaviors, there's misguided practices that clearly stand in a way of a relationship with God. He goes on, he says, or commit adultery, or male prostitutes, or practice homosexuality, and then he has all these other ones and are thieves or, or greedy or drunkards or abusive or cheap people. None of these will inherit the kingdom of God. Don't fool yourselves. I mean saying, hey guys, this is a big deal. This isn't like little stuff. This is big stuff. And your behaviors and your practices speak volumes about your relationship. And so he's, he's digging into this. He's like, hey, okay, hey, let's do this. And so what we think, and here's what he's saying, what we think might be normal or acceptable to everyone else might not be acceptable to God, and it may be a bigger deal than what we think, and it might cost me more than what I want to pay. That's what he's saying to him. It's like, hey, guys, I, I, I want to talk about this. I want to talk about what's normal because, man, there's some funky things going on here. Let's understand this together. So, And, and, and by the way, the creator of all things sets the standards, not us. It's his kingdom, not mine. And, and our relationship, by the way, is not based on just what I believe. A lot of times we get this confused. We think, well, I believe in God, but yet my life or my behavior is opposite of God. See, my belief or my faith should lead to a behavior that says, yes, that's what I, I hold to. And so that's what he's talking about. He's like, hey, we've got to work this out. Here's the second thing. So first misguided understanding was you got to understand your behaviors and practices are, are important. Second one is our current condition does not have to be our forever situation. I thank God that who I was when I was. 18, 19, 17. Back in my crazy days, is not the same person I am today. I, I I thank God that that condition that I was in and my understanding of what sexuality was about and how it related to God. That I I'm not in that same position or situation in my life anymore. And Paul is saying, here's the deal, guys. You got to understand this. You don't have to be like that. You don't have to be in that situation. You don't have to have that kind of lifestyle. You can live something different. And so he's throwing it out there. Hey, you can do that no matter where you are at today, in your sexuality, in your behaviors, in the things that you are, God, and I love this fact, is here offering you a brand new start. No matter, so here's the deal. How's that play out in my life? It plays out this way. That no matter what I've done or what I've been a part of that's been misguided and misunderstood or in the beast side of this whole sexual idea, that God is looking at me and saying, hey, I, I can change that. Matter of fact, I know you can't, but I can, and I want to be a part of that. Matter of fact, here's how the verse reads. It says, some of you were once like that, but you were cleansed. And and the idea is this, is that God takes all the filth and the junk of all my misguided understandings, and he washes them by the power of what happened on the cross with Christ Jesus. Now, that's good news. That's really good news. That's one of those things you go, whoo, man, that's exciting, because I'm glad that I'm not stuck in that stupid lifestyle that I had for so long. And so he says, you were once like that, but you were cleansed. You were made holy. So not only was I cleansed, but now I was this this backwards, misguided, misunderstood kind of thing. God not only cleanses me, he actually puts me in this holy place. He separates me for his goodness, for his his purpose. So you were made right with God by calling on the name of the Lord Christ Jesus and by the spirit of the Lord. And so this whole idea is that somehow he's saying, hey, guys, here's the deal. You guys are living this crazy, misguided, backwards, upside-down thing that's, in in a lot of it's your sexual deal. And he said, here's the deal. God says you don't have to stay there. You don't have to stay in your current situation. He will bring you out of that. He's actually right here to make that change in your life. I mean, that's, that's really, really good news. So... First one, our behaviors and practices can cause some serious problems. Our current condition doesn't necessarily have to be our forever situation. Here's the next one. Our anything goes philosophy, it was back then too, same thing. Our anything goes philosophy is really a pathway to slavery. He said, hey guys, here's the deal. What you think is giving you freedom isn't freedom at all. It's actually making you a slave of your urges, your desires, your passions, and your senses. You're like, what? I've been reading a book here lately. Every, every year when I do this series, Jennifer gets a little worried because I read a lot of sex books. And so I've been reading one this year. It's called Wired for Intimacy. I, I read some of it last year. But here's the deal. It's scientific study. It says that when I give myself to certain pleasures sexually, that it, it, it builds a pathway <laughs> in my brain that is much like the addiction of a drug addict. And so, now obviously that could be a good thing in relationship, right? But if it's outside of a relationship and it's destructive and it's not healthy and it's not what God has for me or what he planned for me, it can be very problematic. And so this scientific book that I'm reading is actually backing up the very thing that Paul is saying right here. He said, hey, here's the deal. The anything goes mentality or philosophy that you have... It's affecting you, and it's making you a slave. It's not bringing you freedom. Now you're trapped to that thing. i tell you what. You talk to somebody that's been part of a, in, in pornography, and I, I've dealt with a lot of different people over the years that have been in pornography. That is one bad animal to crack. Why is it? Because the pathway of slavery to that thing has been worn down. It has been crossed over again and again and again. And so it's not freedom. It might have started feeling like freedom, but now it's slavery. And he said, hey, it might be and anything goes for you, but boy, it isn't leading you where you want to be because it's causing you to be in a position of slavery. Here, listen to what the text says. It says, you say, I'm allowed to do anything. I can do anything I want. Kind of sounds like that existential thing, doesn't it? I can do anything I want. But, and then he gives you the answer, but not everything is good for you. He just said, Hey, there's a beauty and a beast thing going on here. There's, there's some danger zones here. There's some things going on. And then he goes on, and even though I am allowed to do anything, I mean, you could. You could go and be a part of whatever you want to be a part of. You can go wherever you want to. You can do all that. But he goes on, he says, I must not become a slave to anything. He said, Man, this, th- that's messing with some stuff here. And he goes on, You say food was made for the stomach and stomach for the food. And what they had done is they, they, they'd put sex in the same categories, I'm hungry for a. Double whopper. They just put the two things together. And he's like, no, that's not not how it works. There's something else going on here. This is true, and God someday will do with both of them. But you can't say that our bodies were made for sexual immorality. They were made for the Lord, and the Lord cares about our bodies. A couple thoughts. We are misguided to think it's actually bringing freedom, but instead it's bringing, bringing slavery. And Paul is challenging their misguided thought with this thought it does matter it isn't casual it has consequences it isn't it isn't just hey feels good do it no it isn't just feels good do it it feels good and it has price there's there's this thing that's connected with this i can't get away from this and understand and so i say hey this is what's going on paul's challenging their misguided understanding by replacing it with another he is saying don't be mastered by your sexual urges Be instead mastered by Christ. He said, wait, your misguided understanding is leading you down a path that is making you a slave to the things that are going to destroy you. Instead, be a slave to the thing that's going to give you life. And in the context of what he's going to do, he still wants you to experience the beauty of sex. So it's not like he's ditching it. It's not like he's saying, hey, throw it away. He's saying, hey, we've got to understand. Here's the next one. And so we're talking about our bodies, a couple of them about our bodies. Our bodies are to be an expression of honor for the Creator. Honor for the Creator. Now think about that for a second. Don't take it too far. You know, because, I mean, i got to lose a couple pounds. But, But somehow, some way, going all the way back to the garden, when God says, let's create man in our own image, male and female, then in that moment, the creation that God is creating, he's saying, this I have created to glorify and honor me. My greatest purpose in life, then, is to take what he has created and to point back to him, honor, do his name. That's the greatest purpose of my life. That somehow what he created, now I would glorify, or I would honor, or I would lift up, I would magnify through my body this creative power of God, all right? Now, he's tying this into the sexual idea. So when we don't honor God with our bodies, we lose sight of what is natural or normal according to God. We are rejecting original design. How I handle my body, check this out, how I handle my body sexually don't read into that. I seen the, some of you guys, you've got to put away the Uncle Pervy thoughts there, okay? And I look up, some of you are smiling. You said you could handle your body. You're like, come on. Stay with me here. So, so how, uh, how I handle my body sexually is really an acknowledgement or rejection of God's purposes of my life. Whoa. So, so if I'm involved in premarital sex or pornography or adultery or homosexuality or all the different things that really are misguided in relationship to who God is, if I'm involved in that, really what I'm doing is, is I'm not acknowledging, I'm rejecting God's intended purpose of honor that is given to this body. I'm messing with something big here. I'm really saying to God, Forget you. (laughs) Forget you. I I, I don't want to honor you. So if I'm not going to honor him, who am I honoring? Me. So now all of a sudden, this little idea of my sexuality is really a direct confrontation with the honor of God and my own personal honor. Ooh, buddy, we're messing with stuff now. And so Paul's saying, don't, don't you get this, that your body is made to honor God, the creator. And so now you're messing with it. You're messing with some big stuff. you know." And I always joke around when somebody says something about God, and I, I step back, ooh, lightning bolts. This might be in the lightning bolt category. It's, it's God's, you we're messing with who God created me to be. And so somehow I've got to understand that. So then it goes on, and here's our text. And, and by the way, it's a sacred thing. Don't you realize that your bodies are actually part of Christ? In the image of God, we're created. Should a man take his body, which is part of Christ, and join it to a prostitute? And really say, hey, should, a, should you get involved in any sexual immorality in any shape or form? No. Never. And I don't, And don't you realize that if a man joins himself to a prostitute, he becomes one body with her? Somehow there is this spiritual dimension of who I am sexually that says that when I have sex, there is a spiritual connecting that happens. The two shall become one. That's what it says in the text here. For the scriptures say that two are united into one. But the person who is joined to the Lord in one spirit is one with, in spirit with him. So that's the first thing. Our bodies are to be an expression of honor. Second one, our bodies are to be a place of residence for the Holy Spirit. Here's the deal. You and I can only grow in our relationship to God through the leading, guiding, empowering, conviction, and working of the Holy Spirit the only way I can Otherwise, I'm thinking that I'm going to take on all those roles and I'm going to do that myself. By the way, if you're thinking, well, I can do that. No, it's impossible. We need desperately the Holy Spirit of God to work in our lives that would give us the remote possibility of actually fulfilling God's design for our lives. We can't get there without the third person of the Trinity working daily in our lives, okay? We have to understand that. And so Paul's saying, hey, our bodies are to be a place of resonance for the Holy Spirit. A misguided understanding of our sexuality will begin to challenge the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And so sexual behavior outside of God's design is actually an eviction notice to the Holy Spirit. Get out of here. I don't want you to convict me about this. I want to do what I want to do. I want want to go where I want to go. I want to have sex with who I want to have sex with. I want to Be my own person. Holy Spirit, don't tell me it's not right. And so we kick the Holy Spirit to the curb. And so our bodies are supposed to be a residence, a temple, it says in our text, of the Holy Spirit. And really what we're saying to the Holy Spirit, Spirit of God, I don't want you. I want this moment of pleasure. Now in marriage, totally opposite. There's a beauty side of it in marriage. It's the best sex ever. God created this thing. It's, it's, it's good. It's, it's yeah. yeah. Honey, I'm sorry. Yeah. There's this good thing about it. It's beautiful. But he's talking, no, that's not, that's not how I'm going. So here's the text. He says, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18. Run from sexual sin. By the way, there's not very many things in Scripture that tell you to run from it. Sexual sin is one of those things. Because, again, It matters. No other sin clearly affects the body as this one does. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You don't belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price. So you must honor God with your body. So here's the deal. I'm not going to stand up here and say, You know what, if you're engaged in premarital sex, you're going to get AIDS and you're going to get venereal diseases and you're going to, all those kind of things are going to happen to you. You're going to have kids out of wedlock and all, I mean, true, maybe, I don't know. But I'm going to stand up before you and say this, that God made you, created you and shaped you that your body would be of great glory to him, One, two. Is that you and your body have this opportunity that somehow the Holy Spirit would say, I want to hang out there because I have not been kicked to the curb by my decision sexually. I don't know about you, but that motivates me. It motivates me to, to make sure I'm not getting into pornography on my computer because that's, hey, I'm, ha- I'm having sex with people in pictures. You know what I mean? I mean, I don't want to be a part of that. I want to be a part of what the Holy Spirit's doing in my life. I want to grow. I want to be where he wants me to be. So last thing, as worship team comes up, I'll run through these real quick. So what's normal? What's normal? How should I respond to all this? You know, according to God, what's normal? When we say normal, again, we're not referring to what the majority might be doing or, or referring to what God created us to be. So here's the two normals, all right? Marriage is God's normal. Between a man and a woman, marriage is God's normal. The two are united into one. In Genesis 2, it says, the two shall become one. Marriage is a covenant. It's a lifelong commitment. But more people view marriage as a feeling, something I fall into or out of. And let me just give you some real practical advice if you're married. Here, here it is. When the grass starts to look greener somewhere else, water your own grass. Okay? Okay? Let's just, let's just get right out, out into it. If all of a sudden it starts to look really good over there, you need to spend some more time over here. You need to give it, so here, here's, the, here's the text, Proverbs 5, verse 18, it says, let your wife be a fountain of blessing to you. Rejoice in the wife of your youth. She is a loving deer, a graceful doe. Let her breast satisfy you always. May you always be captivated by her love. Why be captivated, my son, by an immoral woman or fondle the breast of a promiscuous woman? And he said, hey, don't get sucked into that. Marriage is God's normal. Make sure you're fighting for it. Fight for it. Don't get sucked in second one is this purity is god's normal purity is god's normal like what purity is god's normal it says run from sexual sin first thessalonians 4 it says this god's will for you is to be holy which has to do with this purity this separate thing so stay away from all sexual sin then each of you will control his own body again it's connected i can't i can't separate that And live live in holiness and honor, not in lustful passion like the pagans who do not know their God. So here's some practical advice. If you're single, maybe, and it applies both ways. Stay as far away from the fires of temptation as possible. Don't see how close you can get to the fire without getting burned. That is a stupid way to do purity. It's a stupid way. I'm, I'm going to see how much sickness I can expose myself to before I get sick. Doesn't make any sense. I, I, it doesn't make it doesn't make any sense at all. That I'm going to somehow say, "Yeah, that's what I got. I want to. I want to find the beauty of what you have for me. Not live out the beast. Stay away from the fires as far away from the fires of temptation as possible. Don't, don't see how close. How do you do it? Real quickly. Focus on relational intimacy instead of physical intimacy." you're single, you need to quit thinking first about physical intimacy and start thinking first about relational intimacy. Focus there. Focus there. Because if you focus relational intimacy, you start to value their body just as much as you value your body. All those things, all of a sudden things are starting to change here because I'm relationally thinking first versus physically. You have to, you have to do that. Focus. Another one, way to do it is this. Invest your energy in your relationship with Christ and His Word. Why would that have anything to do with purity? And here's why. When we are distant from Christ, our convictions become weak. When we are distant from Christ, our convictions become weak. Purity, here's the point, emerges out of holy convictions. So my relationship with Christ and his word is really valuable when it comes to purity. But most of us experience more shame and guilt than conviction because we are distant from Christ. Last thing. There's a story in John chapter 8. It goes something like this. Jesus is doing his thing. He's walking around being Jesus. Next thing you know, a crowd of men show up and they're dragging a woman. They drag her up and they throw her at his feet because they have somehow caught her in adultery. They throw her at his feet. And they say, hey, it says that if somebody's caught in adultery, we just stone him to death. And the text kind of goes like this. It says that Jesus got down and he started writing something in the, in the dirt. I don't know if he was writing the sins of those that were doing the other things or what was going on, but, but they all left. He said, hey, if you, if you have no sin, you cast the first stone. And they all walked away. And it was him... Jesus and this woman who was caught in adultery. He said, where's everybody out that condemns you? He said, they all left. He said, I don't condemn you either. Matter of fact, why don't you go and sin no more? And really what he was saying is I want to give you a brand new start right now. And see, some of us, we've been caught today in our misunderstandings. Some of us, we've been caught today in our misguided understandings about our sexuality. And Jesus is here today, and he is offering forgiveness to give us a brand new start. My condition doesn't have to stay the same forever. My situation can change through the power and the cleansing and the making of holy what was unholy by God. Now, heads bowed, eyes closed. I'm just going to simply ask. You're here today and you realize, you know what? God is speaking to me and I've been living with a misguided understanding of my sexuality and I need a brand new start. I need Jesus to cleanse me. I need him to make me holy. I need him to forgive me. Today is my brand new day. That's me. If that's you, would you just wave your hand? Everybody's heads are bowed? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, thanks, thanks. Lord, I pray for every person that raised their hand right now as a simple act of surrender that says, Lord, that's me. I've been living a misguided understanding of the sexuality that you created me with. And Lord, I'm crying out to you. I'm receiving what you're offering today and I'm saying, Lord, would you wash me by what happened on the cross? Lord, what I don't deserve, what you do? Lord, have your way. Help me to live a new life now, God, to, to find the beauty in how you created me. In Jesus' name. Amen.